Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These are the Keishi Tapes. You, man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Welcome to the Keishi Tapes podcast. I'm John Ewan, along with Favaz. Hi, John. Hi, John. Good to be here. Good to be here. Mighty, mighty, mighty one. And today uh, we're doing uh, episode 142, I believe it is, and it's an interview that Favaz did with John Mellencamp. That's right. March 25th, 1999. Unreal. About 22 years ago. And um, if this is the interview that I think that it is, you know, because it's on reel-to-reel tape, uh, this was the one where I was told not to ask him about his cigarettes or his heart attacks mm, yeah. because he had had some issues at that time. And I still, I think he still smokes, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. He does. <clears throat> so um, I was just like, okay, it's, it's going to be one of these interviews. And it turned out to be a really fun interview, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of those with him a long yeah, time too. I think we, we, we did it. it. We yeah. did it. Yeah. And yeah. He, he was, he was super cool back then. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Well, the first time he ever came to St. Louis, he came to Casey, and I interviewed him. Right. Yeah, and uh, that is that tape is long gone, probably somewhere. But uh, yeah, and I remember that uh, interview was one where he was very confident and almost cocky to the point where he said he was going to be a big star. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew it. We and, talked about that. Yeah. He, Little bastard. Yeah. Yeah. And he became the big star he predicted. Okay. So anyway, we're going back to what, 1999, you 1999, said? 1999, 22 years ago. All right. And again, and this is on reel to reel, so it's going to sound a little muddy. Yep. But uh, here we go. John's on the phone. Favaz? Yes. Hi, you're on with John Mellencamp. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Hey, how you doing? Hey, John. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Okay. Well, uh, just stay. can you give me- And again, this is one of those where you're speaking into a very expensive microphone. You sound muddy as hell, and he's on a cheap-ass phone line, and right. it sounds more clear. It sounds good. Weird. Level yeah. real quick, John? Yeah, one, two, three, four, one, two. Okay. Good enough. Okay. Um, ready to go? Yep. Okay. Hey, it's Pavaz from Casey. With me on the phone is John Mellencamp. John, hello. Hey, how you doing? Doing good, man. Where are you calling from today? Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, so you're at home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, getting ready for the big tour? Yep, rehearsing the whole business. Yeah, John Mellencamp will be in St. Louis at the Riverport Amphitheater on Saturday, May 20th. And when he rehearsed, he rehearsed. His live shows were so tight. and They were good. They were really good. Nothing left to chance, man. Everything was right on the mark. He's he's one of those guys that's got to be, he's a stickler for, you know. And some are the total opposite. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Sam, I know Sammy Hagar hates to rehearse. Right. Very seldom does. Yeah. You know. Second with Sunvolt. Tickets go on sale this coming Saturday. John has a new record out that came out last fall. First of all, John, um, let me ask you what happened with your old record label. You're on a new record label with Columbia. What made you drop them and, and go to a different one? Well, I'd been there for, you know, 22, 23 years, and uh, I had heard through the grapevine that... Uh, that they were going to be sold uh, to Seagram's. And I thought, I don't know if I want to <laughs> be sticking around for all of that kind of weird conglomerate business. So uh, I had a, a friend of mine who ran the, you know, the, all the record companies at Polygram, and 
he was also uh, considering leaving, and he allowed me to leave, and he left, and uh, I'm very grateful to him that he did, that he pulled that rabbit out of a hat for me. So they actually let you out of your contract? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't really have much choice. This guy was the boss. Oh, oh, I see. See what I'm saying? It'd be like the boss of the radio station saying, hey, I'm leaving, and if you want to, you can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, then how did you... I remember John originally was on Riva Records. Riva, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <coughs> R-I-V-A. Yeah. A powerhouse by Columbia. First of all, when, when that got out that you were leaving, was there a, uh, like a bidding war for you, or, or how did the whole Columbia thing come about? No, it was a real natural progression because the guy who runs... Uh, Columbia Records used to be my manager. Oh, and what's his name? Tommy Matola. Oh, Tommy Matola managed you? Yeah, all oh, through wow. the 80s. He, he managed me and Hall and Oates all through the 80s, so, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't much decision making for me. My grandmother's maiden name was Matola. Matola? Yeah. Really? Do you, do you remember Tommy Matola, though? Absolutely. Yeah. And supposedly, my dad says that somehow they were distant cousins of oh, really? the Matola families in Hollywood were the. Oh. Distant cousins of my grandmother. I think he was married to Mariah Carey too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. It was gonna go. It was just like you know, I always kept it. You know, Tommy and I were friends, and so uh, when uh, the opportunity uh, came up that I was gonna be able to leave Hologram, it was just like that. You know, okay, well I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. Wow. It was like changing radio stations. <laughs> okay, I'll be there tomorrow. So I, that kind of answers my next question, which would have been. When you go to a new record label, and considering how established you are, they must not give you any grief or tell you what to do or have any expectations, do they? Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm always interested to hear if somebody has, you know, what somebody has to say. So uh, I, uh, I don't think they really intentionally try to give you any grief. But, you know, when you ask people to come to your studio and listen to records, they feel they have to respond in a certain way, and sometimes you hear things you want to hear, and sometimes you hear things you don't want to hear, and sometimes you hear the weirdest fucking shit you ever heard in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and what was some weird stuff you heard about this record? Well, not too much with this record. Uh, these guys were so enthusiastic, you know, here's grown men, they, they would come in the studio. And Which record was this again? Um, I'm, I'd have to look it up. I'm Is not it sure. uh, 1999? He, just, he had it come out in 98, because I said it came out in the fall of 98. Oh, okay. Uh, go on. They would listen to a couple songs and start high-fiving each other, and they didn't really say much to me. Well, I guess that's a good sign. Yeah, that's what I took it as a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking to John Mellencamp on Casey, and John's new record is called John Mellencamp. Any particular reason oh. why you just decided to name it after yourself? Yeah. Well, it, you know, that was a suggestion, oddly enough, made by the record company, and I was more than happy to oblige him. What were the good songs on that album? I know um, we played it. Okay, so John Mellencamp, there, there, there it is. Um, track listing. Yeah, track listing. Fruit Trader, Your Life Is Now, Positively Crazy, I'm Not Running Anymore. That sounds familiar. No. It All Comes True, Eden Is Burning, Where the World Eden Began. Eden Is Burning, I never, that was one. Where the World Began, Miss Missy, Chance Meeting at the Tarantula, Break Me Off Some, Summer of Love, Days of Farewell. Not Can't say much. I know much, yeah. John. Yeah, didn't, he didn't, didn't sell a lot of copies of that yeah. album. No. Uh, since I didn't have any anyway yeah uh, so it just made life a lot easier and they wanted to uh, signify that it was a new beginning uh, with their label when he speaks he kind of sounds to me like ted hobbeck he used to be on the radio station really here. yeah i must say that i just uh really enjoyed the behind the music on vh1 that they did on you i just saw that like two weeks ago have you got have you had a chance to see that yet yeah so i've seen it 
What, what did you think of it? Well, you know, you got to remember, it's me. I mean, it'd be like if you turned on the TV and there was a bunch of stuff about you on the television, you'd think, I felt kind of weird about it a little bit uh, because I had never allowed anybody into my home. That oh, my. I, I, I was really surprised. At Luffy, that. I had never done that yeah. before. And the only reason I did it was is that the guy that runs VH1, I grew up with. Uh, him and I, you know, have known each other. One of the first guys I met in the music business. And so him and I, and the guy, you know, is, is a good friend of mine, and he, he asked me to do this. And at first I thought I would set a bunch of rules and regulations. Well, you can't do this, you can't go here, you can't. But then I thought, well, you know, to make it turn out good, you know, I should let these people do what they want to do and just hope for the best. Uh, I had never done that in 20-some years. So I saw it. I thought it was kind of weird, uh, but I also I, because the reason I think it's weird is because I don't know why anybody'd be interested. In oh, now come on, man. Well, you know, I mean, who 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 really cares about you know me and my kids? Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think all in all, I think people did enjoy it because I've had a tremendous amount of people comment about it. it. It's. I thought it was excellent. I thought. I think really they do a good job with all of those. Yeah, you know, and I have to say that that's the reason that I opened up the door so much is that I would see these things on people that I didn't even care about. Right, right. And I'd start watching them and be like, yeah, this is good. I remember seeing one, you know, uh, on Steppenwolf, right? Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't care about Steppenwolf. They had, like, what, two good songs? (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) I guess he never heard Sookie, 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 Sookie. Or the pusher, <laughs> yeah, the pusher, yeah. yeah that was good. that was written by Hoyt Axton of. Uh, that was a really uh, good song. Uh, what was, uh, he was uh, country fame. Yeah, the uh, the, oh, uh, the, the, the the goofy song. Uh, oh my gosh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, he, oh, he wrote that too. Yeah, he wrote that too. Oh, I didn't too. know that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It was interesting as hell. Those guys on TV feuding with each other after all these years. And right. I thought, wow. I, I just saw one on the mamas and the papas, and. I mean, all I really know is about, you know, California Dreamin', and the whole thing was just... What a great song that is, yeah. California Dreamin'. They were Dreamin'. Band. The oh, harmonies. Yeah, oh. the harmonies are tremendous on that song. Listen to yeah. it, folks, if you haven't in a long time or never have heard it. California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah. Fascinating, man. Well, you know, I think that's the way, uh, quite honestly, I think that they could just about take anybody's life. And, you know, when you put it on television, you put it on a movie screen, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Which tells me how interesting life really is. Uh, you know, when I was a young guy, I was bored all the time. He makes a good point. I heard somebody say one time, everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in any any person's life and you go through the twists and turns of their lives, in almost every case, there's something that would be of interest. Of interest? Yeah, that they, the accomplishments that, yeah. that they made, you know, whether they went to the military, and then they got out of the military, and then they went to this school, and then, went to, and then they tried that, and then they had to, I mean, it's, I'm sure there are some people who have right. done nothing and absolutely, you know, live in a hole <laughs> in the ground. a boring-ass life. Yeah, 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 some of them. But most people, there's an interesting story somewhere along the line hmm. in their lives' history. Uh, bored, lonely, and, uh, you know, frustrated. But, you know, now that I'm getting older, it's just like life is just so fascinating to I mean, let's face it, if you can take David Cassidy's life and make it fascinating, <laughs> you know, it's fascinating. And, and David Cassidy, holy cow. Who, by the way, passed away, what, a few yeah, years ago? Yes, yeah. he did. I have to say, you know, I mean, uh, uh, life is fascinating. We're talking to John Mellencamp on Casey, and John is coming to town Saturday, May 20. 20- How old is John now? Well, let me look. Take a look. All right. Because he had his heart attack in his early 40s. He, beca- he, he became a grandfather in his early 40s. 
Remember that? Yes, he did. Second, and uh, of course, John, you've cut back. I'm touring quite a bit, so sixty-nine. My question is sixty-nine. He's sixty-nine. Yeah. So he's it was been it's been twenty years since he had that heart attack or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. yeah. You is this whole at the time of this recording now no not or, at this time in, or yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah, yeah. yeah what, 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 what did you there. talk about i don't, I don't know. know i can roll things still fun for you or, or? i'll tell you you know i just told somebody today i said listen this, there's only one reason why i do this anymore and it's because it's fun yeah and you know uh i'll i'm gonna do it until it quits being fun and uh let's try not to make it unfun <laughs> what i was telling the guy because he was like you know trying to be a record company guy and pushing me into a certain thing I didn't want to do. And I said, look, hold it. Right. You know, I do this because it's fun. Right. You know, but don't, don't make it not fun, okay? The opening band will be Sunbolt. They are from St. Louis. Did you have any um, doings with that? Or oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I always pick my opening acts. And uh, huh. uh, those guys came to Bloomington a few years ago and recorded in Mike Wanchek's recording studio, who's my guitar player. Right. And uh, uh, so uh, Mike became friendly with him at that point, and uh, I like I like what they do, and uh, I think it uh, I think it's going to be a, a good show for everybody. I do too. Um, what, are you, John? Do you have any early memories of? Um, <laughs> okay, St. Louis? Cut, cut. Okay, you might want to back it over. This is a really funny moment, okay. and I did not expect John to right there. Just the setup. Because I asked him about St. Louis, and he remembers stuff. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. And this is just a funny, funny thing that he talks about. I think it's going to be a good show for everybody. I do, too. Um, what, are you, John, do you have any early memories of um, St. Louis or, oh, or, sure. or Casey in particular? Let me tell you something. One of the first bands I ever put together uh, when I got my first record deal had two guys from St. Louis in the band. No kidding. Who was that? A guy named Robert Frank. And uh, a guy named Tom Knowles, yeah. and they were in my, uh, the original uh, Johnny Cougar band when it first started. And uh, uh, I have a guitar that a lot of people are familiar with. I have an acoustic guitar that has an eagle drawn on it, and uh, I've had that guitar for years and years and years. And that was drawn on by some unknown girl that I met in '77 in some hotel room in St. Louis. Uh oh. Yep. Was that before or after? Before or after what? Sorry. <laughs> 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 Come on. No, that's all right. Right there. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, he yeah. just, he, you know, the fact that he was laughing that hard, oh, hit man. that cigarette, that cigarette laugh, you know, yeah. by some unknown girl in some hotel room in 1977. Yeah. I mean, he, he just... That was funny. He he's he's a tremendous communicator. He just loves yeah, talking. Yeah, he and, does. Uh, you get him going. And he, you know him going. it. Yeah, yeah. The interview that I did, we and it's on Casey tapes. You yeah. can go back and listen to it. Mm -hmm. It was on the phone in um, was it uh, early? It was mid eighties, early eighties, something mm -hmm. like that. I think it was. And uh, I asked him about his memories of St. Louis, and he talked about Mississippi nights. And he said that uh, he got in big trouble. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, he got yeah, in big well, we trouble did, here, and, and it led to his divorce. <laughs> Something that happened here in St. Louis. That's he right. didn't go into details, but uh, yeah, hey. yeah. Well, Casey's been behind you 100% from the beginning. Maybe those two memories are connected. Yeah, they could be. Yeah. I think Casey was one of the first radio stations I ever went to as a young guy to do an interview. No kidding. Yep. And I was the guy who did that interview. Hmm. Oh yeah, I've I've seen that station go through so many changes and uh, different formats. And, well, it's uh, always remained a rock station. Yeah, yeah, we always did that. Always, always tilted it this way, tilted it that way, but it's always been real rock radio. Yep. So. Yep. Well, are you guys still out of town there? Or did town grow up, grow out and meet you, or what? Well, who? 
I said, I said, are you guys still out on the outskirts of town? There? No, no, we're not. Actually, we're downtown now. We're in a place called Union Station, which is uh, like an old train shed that they made into a mall and all that. Well, let me tell you, the first time I went to Casey, it was in a little house. That's right. You know, and I don't remember the location. But it was it incredible. Like it was almost in a rural area. It was, and there was a drive-in theater. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we moved, uh, I guess we moved down to Union Station back in 1986 or something like that. So, yeah, we're big city boys now, so. Oh, you grew up, huh? Yeah, we had to grow up, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Mellencamp, thanks for taking time out today and talking to us. Don't forget, the record is in stores. It's been in stores since, like, October, I believe. Right. And uh, John will be at Riverport with Sunvolt on Saturday, May 22nd. Tickets go on sale this Saturday. It's going to be a great show. And, uh, John, can't wait to see you, man. Thanks for Appreciate talking to us. Thanks a lot. Okay, John, see you, man. All right, buddy. Bye. Wow, I got that all. Was it. I, I got tingly. He was talking about that. He, he didn't know, but he was talking about that time when he came to St. Louis. I did that interview with him, and there are pictures of me and him. And the record promoter from Mercury Records at that time was mm -hmm. Joe Grossman. Oh. And uh, that 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 came that picture came from that time he first came for that interview. Isn't that neat? Wow, that's yeah, awesome that's to think cool. about that. Wow, I remember that day as clear as can be as can be too, hanging out with him that time. And then he and then he performed. I think that night. Can't remember where it might have been. I remember, no, I think maybe he was just in for a a, uh, a, a radio interview. Yeah, just a radio interview tour, and he came in. Mm. But well, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just I, always I root like for him. him. Always root for him. Yep. And you know, he, he, he they called him what the uh, working man's Bruce Springsteen. I guess was yes. kind of his image. Mm -hmm. Although Bruce Springsteen was also considered the working man's. Uh, yeah, he was uh, a working guy himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and some people kind of held that against him as like he was sort of a Springsteen. Not imitator, but um, it's all because he's a great songwriter, like Bruce. Yeah, you know he was the Midwest version of Springsteen, who grew up yeah. on the East Coast in yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, he could turn a phrase, he yeah. could write a song, and, and get an emotion through his wordage and a song really well. He, uh, like I said, when it comes to his live shows or even on his records, I'm sure when he's in the studio, everything was particular. He was everything had to be perfect and pre right, yeah, you know, pre practiced to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it paid off well that's for why you're why some people that's are right. really, really good. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. All right, that's episode 142. John Mellencamp, an interview for Voz did with him back in 1999. Hope you enjoyed that. You can follow me on Twitter at STLUman. On Instagram, I'm Johnny Hewlett. And I'm for Voz. I'll see you. Bye. AMF. The KC Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app.